Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. We are in part two of the supernatural ways of royalty. And I want to talk to you this morning about being prisoners and captives. Now, I'm going to talk to just parents for a moment, but we can identify this in all areas of life. How many people know that when you tell your kid, if you hand your kid a glass of milk, glass of water, whatever you want to call it, and you hand it to them, and they're supposed to take it to the table or take it somewhere, if you say to them, here, just take this to the table, don't spill it. We're all laughing because we know what happens. Most of the time, they spill it. So I want to talk to you this morning about why. This isn't milk. It's a wonderful cup of coffee. You should come early. We serve it in the foyer. Here's why. Because a lot of times what we concentrate on, we do. What we concentrate on is what we do. So we read a parenting book one time or it was a seminar we went to or something that it actually told us, don't say this to your kids. And so we started testing it. I know it sounds bad that you you test it, but you're kind of like, here, take this over the table. And the next time you're like, here, don't spill this. And you begin to realize it's true. And it's in our lives. Here's how it's in our lives. You may not spill a glass of milk and you may not even pay attention when you're walking with a cup now because you're an adult and we should be okay most times but here's where it affects our lives I'm never going to be like so and so and then as we parent as we're in relationships as we do different things I'm never going to be like so and so I want to make sure I don't do this I want to make sure I don't do that and we concentrate so much on it how many people realize that all of a sudden you're doing it my parents were awesome but I just used this the scenario of like I'm never going to be I'm never going to parent this way and then all of a sudden you say something and you're like that's my mom that was my dad where did that come from And we realize it's in us. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As he thinks in his heart, so he is. So a lot of times, the way we think about ourselves is who we become. And so we have to ask ourselves, Do we see ourselves the way Christ tells us that we are? Do we see ourselves as our identity in Christ? Or do we see ourselves through the lies of the enemy or past mistakes? See, people will say stuff to us. They will correct us. And you can think about it as a kid or as an adult. People will say something to you and we will hear what they said and we'll start to identify ourselves through that. The enemy loves to lie to us. 
and whisper things to us about our past and we see ourselves through our past, we don't see ourselves through God's vision for our lives. Chris Ballatin, as we were reading and going through his book in small groups, if you haven't joined one, you need to connect to one this week. Chris Ballatin says on page 39, many people spend their entire lives reacting to what they don't want to be instead of responding to the call of God on their lives. So many of us don't want to mess up. We don't want to make a mistake that we miss the calling that God has for us. We don't want to do something, therefore we do nothing. When God is calling us to something that we should step out in, but because of fear we hold back in. Philippians 3 verse 12, Paul writes, he says, Not that I have already obtained all, of the, all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ told, took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When we make mistakes, we need to leave them there and move forward. Yes, mistakes involve other people, so we do sometimes need to ask for forgiveness. We do need to press on. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it easier to forgive other people than I do to forgive myself. We beat ourselves up about our mistakes when God's asking us to see ourselves the way he sees us. So how do we break free? How do we get out from being prisoners and captives? Number one in your handout is reacting to the past or responding to the vision. We have a choice. Do we react to our past or respond to the vision God has in our life? See, my question for you is, have you really asked God for a vision in your life? I believe we've all asked God, but have you asked God to the point where you got an answer? We were just at the Toronto Zoo yesterday with our family, um, walking around in that wonderful weather we have. I'm not upset about the weather, I'm upset about the massive kilometers that we walked yesterday <laughs> in the weather. Well, I see all your pictures of beach. But as we walked around the zoo, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. I can tell you something. The way they ask for something and the way we ask for something is totally different. We ask God, Father, can you show me the vision you have for my life? And we wait. If you have patience, you wait 30 seconds. And then you go, guess he's not talking to me today. My children... Ask for a popsicle every 30 seconds. 
Even when the answer is, no, no, the answer is yes. Even when the answer is yes, we will get one on our way out from the thing we just crossed. Just, we just passed it. On our way back, we'll get one. So can I have a freezy? On our way out. So can we choose from anything in the cart or just from the bottom row? Just from the bottom row. So when do we get a freezy? On our way out. So much to the point where how many parents... You're not getting one. (laughs) At the moment, you're only getting one because I want one. (laughs) See the difference? Yet the scriptures tell us, come to the Lord as children. You ask God for a vision for your life because you know he has one. If he hasn't told you, then you need to press in until he tells you. If you truly believe, if everyone in this room, if you believe the scriptures that you know that God has a plan for your life, then he wants to share it with you. If you don't know it, if I don't know it, I haven't pressed hard enough. If I'm not hearing it, it's not him, it's me. So my follow-up question is, Lord, what do I need to do to get ready to hear what you have to tell me? And he will tell you And see, here's the thing. The moment you have the vision for your life that God has told you, that he has for you, he has a plan for you, the moment you have it, the way you look yourself in the mirror is different. Because see, now when you look yourself in the mirror, there might be some of us that aren't fully happy with what we see. Some of that is just society, and we need to pray through some of that, we need to work through some of that. But some of it is because we know we're called for something greater. Some of it... We look in the mirror and we know, God, you have something for me. I just don't know what it is. And when we press and when we ask, this is why we're doing this series. So that at least at the beginning, right now, what I want you to be able to do is look in the mirror. As I talked to the kids workers this morning, as I shared with them in a devotional before the service, I want you to be able to look in the mirror every morning. Men, I want you to be able to look in the mirror every morning. Every time you see a mirror, I want you to be able to look in the mirror and say out loud, I am a prince. Ladies, I want you to look in the mirror every time you see a mirror. And I want you to say out loud, I am a princess. Because I promise you, the moment you begin to identify yourself as a prince or as a princess, you will change the way you feel about yourself. As you begin to identify yourself as what Christ has called you to, the way you present yourself is totally different. Man, the moment that you can look in a mirror, stand up and look and put your shoulders back and go, I am a man of God, you will walk differently. You will work differently. You will lead your home differently. Ladies, the moment that you can look in a mirror and say that you are a woman of God, you will work differently. You will parent differently. Every one of us will live life differently when we understand who we are in Christ. As God walks me through this, as as he's been walking me through this through the last few months as we've been preparing for this, he has been changing the way I think and he's been changing the way I see myself. And it has impacted my whole life. And this is why we share this with you because we want it to impact your life. Once you have the vision for your life, you meditate on it. And in the book, he says, meditate equals medicine. 
And when we meditate on God's word, we make ourselves healthy. You will make yourself more healthy as a person the more you meditate on who he's called you to be. Because Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See, if you're not believing that you're receiving the desires of your heart, it could be because you don't have the vision for your life, which means your desires don't line up with his. See, the moment that we have the vision for our life that he has, the reason we receive the desires of our heart is because our desires are the same as the Father. That's why he gives us the desires of our hearts because it's not that we worship and we pray to get him in line. God, you got to get over here. Get over here where my desires are. No, he pulls us into alignment with him, into his desires. They become our desires. And then we receive all that he has for us because of our identity in him. So how do we break free? Number two, the reason we can't at the moment is we're bound by unforgiveness. Grace, I still remember many years ago you said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Chris Vallotton on page 43, he says, bitterness has no friends. There is no container known to men that will hold it. It always leaks out on those we love the most. See, when I have unforgiveness in my life, when I hold a grudge against somebody, it never comes out on them. It comes out at home. It could be just me comes out at home or comes out at work it never comes out at the person it comes out at other people Proverbs 19.11 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression we are to overlook transgressions We just went through the whole sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit this summer. So we know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are to forgive and move on. It's hard. I'm not saying it's that simple. There's a process. I understand that. We all walk through it. John 20 says this, verse 23. Or 21 it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they they are retained. After imparting the Holy Spirit onto his disciples, he tells them immediately, if you forgive, people will be forgiven. If you hold the forgiveness, they won't be. God has given us the power, so also then that means in your situation, he has given you the strength to forgive other people. So no matter how much I've been hurt, no matter what people have done to me, when I say, I don't know if I can forgive them, 
God tells me I give you the strength to. When I am weak, he is strong. He will help me to forgive. So if the spirit of God is living in us, we are able to and are supposed to forgive. Sometimes it's easier to forgive when we actually go to the person. Alex, if I go to you and I say, Alex, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And sometimes it's easier if I just go, Alex, I forgive you. There's a process. Don't get me wrong. I realize that. I realize there is a process. I don't have the quote here, but in the book, if you're reading the book, Chris Ballatin, he talks about the difference between forgiveness and trust. Just because I've forgiven you doesn't mean I trust you. There is a difference. So if you're trying to figure out, like, well, Chad, like, it's not that simple, and I get it. It's not that simple. But just if I extend you forgiveness, it doesn't mean that I trust you. I think forgiveness is easier to extend than trust at times. And this is why I believe people in the church can divorce. It's not because of unforgiveness. It's because of lack of trust. We believe and understand and we think that when somebody forgives us that everything should be fine. But if there's a breaking in trust, that trust has to be restored. And so relationships, when we don't understand why is our relationship not better, because there was a forgiveness given, the trust hasn't been restored. And trust takes longer. Trust takes longer. And trust is earned. The power of our control of forgiveness is stated in Luke 6. 37, it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. If I want to receive forgiveness, I need to forgive. And here is the very following verse, and we use it out of context all the time because we use it for financial giving, when it actually follows judgment and Forgiveness. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. See, we like to use this for finances. Give and it will be pressed down and be given back to you. Well, that's not what it's talking about. Although, continue to give. What it's talking about is how we judge others and how we forgive and how we condemn. I would throw in there how we gossip. There are so many things that we don't understand that as we do to others, it comes back. It's not karma. It's scripture. If I judge you if I condemn you, if I hold you, if I lift you to a high standard that you can't meet, I will be held to the same standard. I struggle with this. I expect things. Read an article online. And yes, of course, Facebook sent me to the link, but 
thought it was a good article. It talked about the number one cause for divorce. And I don't know why I'm talking about divorce this morning so much, but Melissa and I are great, just for the record. Um, (laughs) And it talked about the biggest cause is expectation. We come into marriage with fairy tale expectations. And it goes through this whole list. I won't bore you this morning. But it goes through a whole list of different things that we believe should happen. And then all of a sudden when we come into marriage and it's not happening, we go, what on earth is this? Disney lied to me. And then Disney gave you the answer of just let it go. But we realize when we bring our expectation down for others because we want the same mercy and grace then we extend it to others. And the way we do that will be given back to us. And see, if you hear me say, it'll be given back to us, and your first response is, well, not always, Chad. Possibly. But I also know through Scripture, I'm not responsible for other people. I'm responsible for me. And so if we hear a truth from God, and our first response is, well, that's not the way it always works. Is that the way it works for you? Because when you stand before God, he won't ask you how your neighbors did in this area. He won't even ask you how your spouse did in this area. He won't ask you how your boss did. He won't ask you how your kids did. He won't ask you how the police did. He won't ask you how the government did. He will ask you how you did. The expectations, the scale that I use for other people will be used on me. See, this happens, Chris Valton, his quote on page 44, he says, if we fail to understand how big our debt of sin was to God and what it meant for him to forgive it, then we can fall into the trap of judging the much smaller wrongs of those around us. I believe that when we accept Jesus into our heart, we're no longer sinners. But that doesn't mean we don't sin. We're just not sinners. And what I mean by that, the difference I mean is we can mess up, but we're still children of God and he welcomes us in. Without accepting Christ, we are sinners. Now we're in his family, but we still, we still sin. My Bible tells me the only person to live without sin is Jesus. So if you think that you live your life right now because you have Jesus in your heart and that you do not sin, I would throw that probably under the classification of pride, which the last time I checked the word of God is a sin. Now, don't beat yourselves up. That's what I'm trying to say. But there's a reality of when I see my neighbors who don't believe in Jesus Christ do things, or when I see family members, I won't say co-workers for me because otherwise we got some things wrong. Um, but if we see our neighbors, if, we, if you see your co-workers, I like keeping us together, but in that one I can't. If we see unbelieving co-workers doing things that are against the Bible and we judge them for that, How? They shouldn't do that. That's wrong. Not in their minds. And they haven't accepted Jesus, so they actually aren't held to the standard you're held to. There's so many times in my my life, I wish that I wasn't held at the standard I'm held to. Because my Bible tells me I'm actually held at a double standard higher than you guys. There's times where that stinks. But realizing and understanding who we are and realizing 
that we need to remember, not to beat ourselves up. Hear my heart. Don't beat yourself up because of your past sins. I want you to lift yourself up. I want you to have your identity in Jesus Christ. But when it comes to witnessing to your neighbors who don't believe in Jesus Christ, you need to have an understanding that their level of moral, their level of ethnic is not the same as you. And until you accept that, you can't share the love with Jesus with them because you're judging them. But Chad, you don't understand that I can go in my backyard, sit down with my family to have a nice dinner and all I smell is weed coming across. By weed, I don't mean the stuff that grows in the ground that you try to pull out. Of course you do. But Chad, they're drinking all the time and you should hear the language. Of course. Of course. My question is, when they're in their backyard, do they smell anything that they shouldn't? Do they see activities they shouldn't? Do they hear things they shouldn't? Because we shouldn't say the same things. We shouldn't laugh at the same jokes. We shouldn't tell the same jokes. If I am a prince, if I am a child of God, I am supposed to appear and live. Not just appear, I'm supposed to live differently. My neighbors are supposed to know that there's something different about me, not because of what I say. And not because I leave the house early on Sunday mornings. They're supposed to know because of our interactions. So, point three. Prisoners and captives. What is the difference? Why do we have two? I would think prisoners and captives are the same. It's interesting because Isaiah prophesies and he says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness from the prisoners. I'm going to read something fairly long to you. And it's... Uh, Chris Valton's definition of prisoner, it's on page 45 of his book, it says this. Prisoners are people whom the judge sends to prison. It takes a court order from the judge of heaven to release them. These folks have opened the door of their life to the torments through the sin and unforgiveness. They must forgive those who have hurt and abused them in order for God, who is the ultimate judge, to be justified in calling off the torments and releasing them from prison. Also, under unforgiveness, there is jealousy and envy and fear that locks us in. In 1 Samuel 18, you can read about these three things that have held uh, King Saul back. He hears them singing about David and how Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And he becomes jealous and envious. And then it says he was fearful. And as David was playing his harp, I don't get it. But Saul was walking around with a spear in his hand. If you guys think you have a bad boss, I'm going to bank on the fact he doesn't carry a spear around. And as David's playing, and he's playing to relax Saul, Saul inside, because of his jealousy, his envy, and his fear, decides, I'm going to pin him to the wall and throws the spear at him. David ducks and bolts. 
which I think most of us would. He bolts, and in this we realize what jealousy, envy, and fear can do to us. Because of this, the scriptures tell us that the Lord sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. Hear that. The Lord sent a tormenting spirit. This is what jealousy, envy, and fear can do to us. And we need to break free of these things in our lives. On page 48, Chris Valentin says, suspicion. How many of us can be suspicious? Anybody suspicious? Yeah, we can all be suspicious, right? Suspicious is the gift of discernment being used by the spirit of fear. Oh, I think these people are up to this. I went through a time period, probably just before the summer, I was just really dealing with like some insecurities in my heart and in my head. And how many people know the enemy just loves to chat, just chat away in your head? And as this was happening, I was beginning to be suspicious. And by suspicious, I didn't think anybody was doing anything crazy, but I would hear voices in my head and not like crazy voices, understand me. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, people think this, people think that, people think this. And I was praying about it. I'm like, Lord, this has got to stop. What is going on? And, and all of a sudden, this is what the Lord said. I literally, I want to say I heard a voice, but I felt in my spirit that the Lord said this to me. Have you actually heard any of this? No. Have you heard anybody say this? Nope. Then why are you believing this? And it just really has set a new level for discernment in my head as I hear things in my mind and as the chatterbox, as we'll talk about in just a second, likes to just go off and just rhyme off lies in our head. I all of a sudden will go, this is what people think of you, Chad. And all of a sudden I'll stop and go, has anybody ever said that to me? No. Well, then I'm going to think that nobody believes this. Nobody says this about me. It's just the enemy trying to hold me back. And there's many things in your life in this place that you have identified yourself with or you believe other people possibly even in this room think of you, but nobody has actually verbalized it to you. And therefore, if you haven't actually heard it verbally by another human being, it's the lie of the enemy. Now, if it's a positive thing, I'll tell you it's the voice of God encouraging you. Speaking to what can be. So what is captives? Captives are people who have been captured in the battle and held as a prisoner of war. These people do not have unforgiveness in their heart, but instead they're bound by the lies they believe. And this is what we're just talking about. When we understand, and this is what we need to ask God for this morning, when we understand the truth of what God believes about us, we can find the lies that we believe. Stephen Frutick wrote a book called Crashing the Chatterbox. And it's all about the chatter that's in our heads. Maybe it's just me. But there's a lot of things that go off in my head that tear me down as a human being that I've never heard somebody say to me. But for some reason, I'll believe it. And I'm going to take a chance and say I don't think I'm the only one in the room. 
that we will tear ourselves down and we will beat ourselves up. And it's all because of lies we believed. For a long time, I believed that I had no self-discipline. I had somebody tell me when I was in my teens that, Chad, this is the way you are and you will never change. And I believed it my whole life. I believed there was things in my life that I could never change because I didn't have self-discipline. There was, it was just too hard for me. If there was potato chips in my house, I ate them. And I would tell Melissa, look, just stop bringing them in the house. And she would say, just have some discipline. I'm like, my self-discipline is my self-awareness. Just don't bring them in the house. And as we walk through the fruit of the Spirit, I begin to understand where my self-discipline comes from. Can I tell you something? There's chips in my house and I don't always eat them. For you, that might not be a huge step. For me, that's massive. And I can also open a bag of chips, eat some, and put the bag away, not empty. I believe we need to celebrate small victories. For you, it might be small. I'm being completely honest. That's huge for me. Especially, I don't know about you, but those bags seem like they're getting more air in them every day. But realize... Every one of us in this room, it may not be self-discipline for you. You might be a very disciplined person. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's self-confidence. Maybe you don't believe you are worthy or capable of doing anything. And this is what the series is about. That our identity will become in Christ, who we are. And through that identity, we will realize that, I'll be honest... Myself, I'm going to mess stuff up. But with God, if I'm sensitive and I'm following him and I'm in step with him, I have a much better chance of succeeding in life. Because my identity is in him and that's where I want your identity. By finding out and understanding that my self-discipline came through the Lord, it has brought freedom in my life. I have been able to change many areas of my life that I didn't think I could change. Can I tell you something? When the word of God tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, it's true. Where the spirit of the Lord is, is also where the fruit of the spirit is, and there's freedom in that. I'm going to read some quotes from the book because they really impacted me, and so I want to share them with you. On page 47, he writes, Failures we have repented of, are no longer the standard that we must bow to. When we ask God and those we have hurt to forgive us, then we are set back up to the high place God assigned for us. Some of us feel that when we mess up, we fall. But when we truly repent and when we ask for forgiveness, God restores us. He doesn't just pick us up and say, well, you start here. He restores us to where we were. The truth is that forgiveness restores the standard of holiness in us and through us. Page 49, he says, people of royalty, you need to hear this, this is for you. People of royalty, you, who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, focus on who they are called to be 
They have forgiven those who have hurt them. They have rejected the lies of the enemy and they embrace the truth. People of royalty, focus on who they are called to be. They are forgiven those who have hurt them and they reject the lies of the enemy and they embrace the truth. When we accept Jesus and he forgives us, we are his friends, we are his co-heirs, we are prince and princesses, and we can walk with our heads high because your past no longer identifies you. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that we are co-heirs with Christ, that you have forgiven us. Father, I ask you to help us, Lord, in giving forgiveness to others. I ask you to help us forgive ourselves of our past. And Lord, for people in the room, I pray that your truth will speak to them and that they will be set free this morning because of your spirit in their lives. I pray for freedom in the house. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, so you're asking, Chad, I don't understand what this freedom is. I don't understand what you mean by once I am his... I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior that I can now have a new identity. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive that new identity, if you'd like to receive that relationship with Jesus Christ, and you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your heart, with every eye closed, I'd just like you to shoot your hand up. I'd like to pray with you this morning. If you're here and would like to accept Jesus for the first time, just raise your hand nice and high. Maybe they're here this morning and you're away from Jesus. You've accepted him once, but you need to return. You need to get your life right with him. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I'm just going to get you to raise your hand up. Eyes closed, nice and high, if you'd like to renew your life with Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else, nice and high? Yes. Anybody else want to join these four? Let's stand together. If you raised your hand this morning, I'm just going to get you to take the next step. And I'm just going to ask you, if you raised your hand this morning and want to just get your life right with the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to come to the front. We're going to have some people stand with you and we're going to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else want to come? Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask your neighbor, is there something that you need to go to the front for? If there is, I will go with you. Thank you for coming. Can I get some of our prayer team just to come and just to stand with them? 
We're going to say a prayer together. I'm going to lead this group in prayer, and I want them to repeat after me. But here's what I'd like you to do in the room. Here's something I've noticed, and I love the fact that people have come and asked the Lord for prayer, and the people are getting their hearts right with the Lord, but I don't know if you have noticed, but there's something I've noticed in the last few weeks. There's people getting their hearts right, and I love that. But there hasn't been any new salvations. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to your neighbors and in pairs or threes, as I pray with them, as I lead them in a corporate prayer, I would like you to pray for your lost loved ones and your co-workers and your neighbors that haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because I believe that God wants this to be a place where people come to him. And so as we pray, as I lead them in a prayer, please, Pray together for your lost loved ones and your lost co-workers and the people that you've been praying to come to know Jesus. Go ahead, pray amongst yourselves. Father, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for your spirit. It's through your Holy Spirit that draws us to you. It's through your Holy Spirit that the lost are drawn to a relationship with you. So, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit just to flow out of this place. That, Lord, as we pray for people, as we join together, that Holy Spirit, you go now and just pull on their hearts. And you open up opportunities for us to share your love with them. And that, Father, we are drawn into a deeper relationship with you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the ones that have come to the front, Lord. I pray that your spirit will flow through them. That, Lord, they'll be drawn to you. And that, Father, their past will not define them in the name of Jesus. That, Father, every one of us can walk out these doors with a new identity. And our identity is in you, Jesus. So, Father, strengthen us this week. Encourage us. Lift us up. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us as sons and daughters of yours. Be with us and strengthen us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.